Now, I believe most of us are familiar with the story of Israel's first conquest when they entered the Promised Land. Um, many of us perhaps learned it in the popular children's spiritual. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, right? <laughs> uh, the details of that battle are quite simple. An angel general of the Lord's army tells Joshua to march around the city's walls, followed by a contingent of soldiers and priests in complete silence. They do this once each day, and on the seventh day, they walk around seven times, and on the seventh time they walk around, they blow their ram's horns and shout, and the city walls collapse upon themselves. A grand miracle that marks quite an entrance for the Israelites and sets them up memorably for victory over all of Canaan. But as I read this familiar story, uh, I started to th as I read this familiar story, I started to think about its significance beyond God showing his military strength. Um, here we have a people who denied their promise because they so greatly feared attempting an open attack on the people of Canaan. Uh, but they, when they return and align themselves in full obedience to their God and trust that his plans are entirely for their good, they find that the actions they have to perform are not those that they expected. Because it is not as if the Israelites were a weak military force by any means. Uh, already before they reached Jericho, they have conquered several kingdoms that stood against them, at times vanquishing entire cities without losing a single man, fulfilling God's earlier promises of turning the hundred to flee when the one stands against them. Now, archaeological evidence suggests that Jericho was not, in fact, an overly large city and was by no means the most important geographical position to take in the land. And the Bible tells us that the people of Jericho were very scared to death, hiding desperately in their city. Now, I have no doubt that a straightforward route of overrunning the city would have been a piece of cake for the Israelites in this instance. But that's not what God instructs. He asks the force with the potential for great acts to take an unusual, perhaps an inadvisable and uncharacteristic set of actions. And in that, I think God gives us a lesson of his priorities. When you step forward, aligned with his spirit to follow his plan for you, sometimes that first step, that first act of faith and trust, won't always resemble the final victory. We expect that we will be preachers and prophets and world shakers, but sometimes that first act is sometimes quite quiet, sometimes something unaccounted by anyone but God alone. I think he wants us to be like the poor woman who gave everything, even though her penny was insignificant to the men around her. Listen to him this week and take those small steps of faith. And I assure you that we will begin to see the very walls around us tremble. So, Father, we thank you that even though we are a small community in Bemidji, Minnesota, that you remember those little acts, those little kindnesses, those small sacrifices, those things that nobody else saw, you see. You see those things we put into the boxes in the back each week. And you know that they have greater meaning beyond the physical realm, that your spiritual realm is something much larger, more involved with us than we have any way of knowing. So we just ask that this week that you would remind us of who you are, who, how great you are, and how much you are invested in our lives this week. In your name, amen. And thank you, Peter. That was really good. <clears throat> 
Just a few things to announce here today. Um, there is a fellowship meal today. Carla Mandrell and team will be preparing that for us. And um, also, Anthony, we, could, do you have that iPod to put up? Um, David found an iPod about a month ago or so on the parking lot. And uh, this is it. And it's locked, so we can't get into it to find out whose it is. So if that's yours, and then of course you know the unlocking code to talk to Adam. I think Adam has it. Adam Sharon has it, so. Okay. So, and then um, also the Truebridge Men's Retreat at Clearbrook next Sunday will be the last day for registering. Uh, there's brochures on the Welcome Center desk uh, table in the in the foyer, so you can get those. Just that reminder, and then we do have uh, special giving opportunities here right now for our building fund and also for the sign, the highway sign. It's the upcoming restoration and some finishing of the church house, and um, actually. There were a group of people, Joan Pomp, Suvin Tassel, Joyce Ann Pomp, Kathy Cooley, and some others of our church served in helping to determine what the needs, those needs would be to restore and finish some things in regard to our church house. And uh, Joan showed some pictures of that last week. And then we also, the electronic sign, it's something that we've thought about, talked about for many years actually, but it, there are hundreds of vehicles that drive past the church house every day. And um, there's local traffic, but there's also non-local traffic. Like, for instance, when we're down by Joyce's family, people talk to me a lot about they know where our church is because they drive past here, like going up to Canada or to um, Rainy uh, River up there to fish or to... Red Lake or to Lake of the Woods, you know, just a lot of people going to and to and from on that highway. And so posting, we'll, we would be posting services on there, special events, scriptures we could put up there, uplifting notes, invitations to meals, like when we have meals, those kind of things. And you know, it can really touch somebody's life. Sometimes driving along there, people may not be in a very good emotional or mental attitude, and it could just change their day or change their life. That can happen. So anyway, that's we're giving toward that. Um, I came across a scripture this week, and I thought it was applicable to this. Um, the repairing and restoration of the temple when Joash was king. In Second Chronicles 2, or 24, starting at verse 8, it says, The king Joash issued an order, and they made a box. That kind of stuck out to me. They made a box and placed it outside the gate of the Lord's temple, and then they issued a proclamation in Judah and Jerusalem that contributions should be brought to the Lord. All the officials and all the people were overjoyed, and they brought the money and dropped it into the box until it was full. The king and Jehoiada, uh, he's the high priest, 
would give the money to the foremen who were working on the Lord's temple, and they hired masons and carpenters to renovate the Lord's temple. They also hired men who worked with iron and bronze to repair the Lord's temple. As the men worked, the project progressed under the foreman's guidance, and they restored God's temple to its proper condition and reinforced it. So we have boxes here in the back. They had boxes back then that they used. I thought that was kind of neat. But there, it is a total of $35,000 needed for these opportunities. Uh, currently, we now have 12700 in the building fund. And um, so that leaves 22300 And I believe that's going to come forth. Amen? Do you believe with me? I do. We do. And we've said that we're not going to get loans. We're not going to do that. We're going to have the money up front to do these things. So... <clears throat> But when you pray, ask the Holy Spirit what you should give toward these opportunities for giving. And he will tell you. And then, of course, obey him. Now, in this area of the building and grounds and upkeep and maintenance and such, Ann Nelson, our building custodian, she ably handles uh, most of the upkeep needs and so forth and cleaning needs but sometimes runs into things that she just simply needs help with For one thing I want to do this morning is thank you Ann you do a great job yes <laughs> and you know the neat thing of it is Ann whistles while she works not necessarily whistles but she sings and and she really enjoys it and what a blessing, you know, that is. Um, I'm going to have Anthony put a picture of something up here. Uh, that uh, Last September, um, we had a prayer time. Of some of the folks that work a lot around here on Wednesdays, like with decor and, and just helping with things in the, in the church house a lot, uh, we just asked them to come and pray, Pastor Dean and I did, and then like Joan, Pomp, Sue Van Tassel, Kathy Cooley, Joyce, my wife, there might have been someone else too, but um, we prayed, we asked them to come to pray about this whole area of continuing maintenance and upkeep and so forth, and uh, a vision, an interpretation came while we were praying concerning the building and the grounds and upkeep and maintenance. Um, that vision came in this time of prayer and what you see up there is what the vision looked like. It was raindrops, okay, well, okay, raindrops falling on a placid, calm water. And uh, actually I saw this and I just put it out there. I said, I, this is what I'm seeing because uh, it was just as clear as could be. Probably it's like that picture there. I saw that in the spirit while we were praying about the needs of the church that that have to be done. And then Pastor Dean had an interpretation, and it was the raindrops representing people willing to serve our church family in various upkeep, cleaning, and maintenance needs 
in regards to our building and grounds. And then the circles forming around the drops representing others that would gather around them to also support them with the various projects. And you can see up there, there's, uh, what happens is there's some bigger ones, some smaller ones, but they grow until everything's covered. Um, and that's been happening since September. Actually, it was from that prayer group that then some of those who's mostly ladies, I think there may have been a few men too involved. That's where we came up with the list of things that needed to be done that were the building fund we're giving toward now. Um, but there's some really good news to share with you that some things done by our church family since that prayer meeting, um, I've got lists of them here. These are all lists of things that have been done. There's over 40 projects of things that have been done um, since that time. And there are some things, you can see some blanks on here. Uh, we've redone it and, and uh, so we have that list that's available. But some of the current things that are still needing to be done uh, like one is wiping off metal parts of sanctuary chairs with damp cloths. Some already has, have been done, more to do. Two, remove masking tape residue on the downstairs gym where the kids play. Um, much of that's already done, but there's some more to go yet. Downstairs boys' bathroom, some plumbing needs, a piece of trim board needed in cafe upstairs area. I think it's just a piece needed, uh, repair game room ceiling, there's some things needed repairing up there, six pot coffee maker uh, installed in the kitchen, a kitchen balance for fluorescent lights, new ice maker in the fridge, install it, we already have it. Uh, someone, we need to check the pilot light in the kitchen oven, one of the oven pilots not, lights not working. Women's bathroom needs these new light switch. Coffee bar brewing unit and coffee bean grinder needs checking for blowing fuse. So some of these things, one of them might catch your ear. Um, but this ongoing list can be seen on the bulletin board, on the wall, and the hallway leading up to the kitchen and fellowship area. As you turn the corner to go left or go that way, it's on the east side there and there's an ongoing list so you can see what things that are needed to do and you could talk to either my wife Joyce or Ann uh, about those things if you have questions or if you think you could help with one of them but then there's also some examples of ongoing like serving opportunities and we'll just show those up too right now like baking for Sunday coffee bar uh, Great stuff, like Missy this morning, great goodies, you know, that we can fellowship around with coffee, um, helping with decorating, dishwasher and cleanup for Sunday meals, preparing and serving Sunday meals. And by the way, I just had a call this morning from Paul Hoffland and looking to do a fish fry again like we had last year. If anybody has fish or would like to help with that, 
uh, talked to Paul Hoffland. Um, water softener salt put in softener when needed. Someone to file music sheets used by worship teams uh, and helping with funeral lunches. And then I put eight with dots because that's probably not the end of all the things, but those are some of them anyway. So uh, I'll probably post this on the Facebook page too, just so you can see them there. And uh, thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just receive a booster shot. We know there are a number of our church family that are dealing with flu bug and such this morning. In Jesus' name, we receive that infusion of your Holy Spirit life, that, that flu shot from above, a booster shot here for us this morning, that our immune systems may stay strong and we pray for those that are dealing with it right now for your healing touch to be upon their lives and their bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Ten Strike Community Church, looking at our roots. Um, what we now know as Ten Strike Community Church was originally established as Shiloh Presbyterian Church in 1901. And the first meeting of that Shiloh Presbyterian Church was in the Ten Strike Schoolhouse and it was on Friday, November 22, 1901. And that schoolhouse is really our building, the, the first community church building of our church, like where the kitchen is now, that portion of it, that's where the schoolhouse was. Uh, Joan was just telling me about that on Wednesday. I guess I thought it was further to the west, but it was right there. Um, and it, we became a non-denominational, or we could say interdenominational church in 1968. It was May. In fact, it was the 26th of May, 1968. And that's 50 years ago. So this is like a jubilee year for our church. And I, what the Lord has shown me is that there's going to be jubilee things happening among us individually, as families, as a church. Arliss was just sharing with me that it's a Glow's Jubilee year this year. That's kind of neat. So there's a connecting there. Um, it was held on May 26, 1968. That was a Sunday, and that lines up with May 27 this year is a Sunday. So I think we're going to do some, not, we don't know what yet, but we're going to do some things on it'll be Memorial Weekend. So you can kind of mark that in your mind and calendar that probably be doing some special things. But not only on that Sunday, we're going to be doing some things throughout this time. But you know, when we look at roots, names are significant. And then what about the name Shiloh? Shiloh Presbyterian, Shiloh. Well, Jacob spoke these words when pronouncing a blessing over his son Judah. And it's this uh, word Shiloh is first mentioned in Genesis 49.10 in the Bible. And this is what, what uh, he prayed over Judah. <clears throat> the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall the obedience of the people. Shall be the obedience of the people. Now what's the meaning of the phrase until Shiloh come here? 
Well, the commentaries and references that I read in writing about this name Shiloh agreed that it's a prophetic word spoken by Jacob referring to Jesus the Messiah who would come. Here's one of them. Strong's Concordance translates the Hebrew word Shiloh as tranquil. In English, Shiloh. So that's probably a more correct translation if you're going to go back to Hebrew, Shiloh, but we'll just say Shiloh, an epithet of the Messiah, Shiloh. Another word for tranquil is peace. Undoubtedly, this is referring to the Messiah soon to come. I'm continuing to read here from that, this reference. In Isaiah 9-6, he is given the title, the Prince of Peace. We find also in Isaiah 52-7 a glorious description of the Shiloh in this expression, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace. In Isaiah 66-12, he promises to extend peace to her like a river. This theme continues in the statement from Isaiah 54-13, Great shall be the peace of your children. Jesus Christ has many names. A few weeks ago, I, we, we focused on a lot of those names. But Savior, Prince of Peace, Counselor, Everlasting Father, and many more. And Genesis 49.10 focuses on the epithet, epithet Shiloh, or peace. That's the end of that reference reading there. So Jesus is our Shiloh. Jesus is our tranquility. Tranquility, in the Hebrew there, to be tranquil, secure, or happy, or, or successful, to be happy, to prosper, to be in safety. And Jesus is our tranquility. He is our peace. The word peace in the Hebrew is filled with meaning so practical for you and me. Nahum 1.15 from the New King James Version says, Behold on the mountains the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. That's that peace, that shalom that Jesus is to us. And the Spirit-filled Life Bible, the word wealth there for this reference in Nahum for the word peace, the shalom. And here's here is the meaning of that word. Here's the meaning of it. Completeness, wholeness, peace, health. Let these soak in. Actually, just to let you know, I'm going to post a lot of this text and transcript on our Facebook as well, our 10 Strike Facebook page, so you can see it there some more. The peace, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. Shalom comes from the root verb shalom, meaning to be complete, perfect, and full. I've heard it said, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's where these words come from, that root. 
of shalom. Thus, shalom is much more than the absence of war and conflict. It is the wholeness that the entire human race seeks. The word shalom occurs 250 times in the Old Testament. And then they give some references there. In Psalm 35, 27, God takes delight in the shalom, the wholeness, total well-being of you, of his servant. In Isaiah 53, 5, the chastisement necessary to bring us shalom was upon the suffering Messiah. And this is, I'm continuing that word wealth here. The angels understood at his birth that Jesus was the great peace bringer as they called out glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill, goodwill, peace and goodwill toward men. So some of those Old Testament scriptures here that talk about our Shiloh, our Shiloh, our Shiloh, I believe the Lord wants us to be walking in these today, to know what we would are, know what is ours in Christ. And the very name of the origin of this church was was this word Shiloh, and this tranquility, this peace that comes from Jesus. Psalm four eight: I will both lie down in peace, that Shalom, and sleep. I will lie down and I will sleep. God wants your sleep to be sweet and deep and good. Here's something I'll just share. Every night, yeah, and I have my prayer time out in the spa there, under the stars or under the clouds or whatever it is, before I go to bed and I pray. I pray for me, but I pray for my wife, I pray for my family. And now I've got the grasp for some time now. I've been praying for all of you as a church family this, that you would have a good sleep. I mean, there's a certain grasp that you can get in believing where it's not just mouthing words. And I got there, brothers and sisters, and I'm praying that for you. But what I'm asking you to do is to be in agreement with that. Just know that I'm, at least most of the time, and I can't guarantee it's every night, but I'm praying that you'll have a good sleep. I also pray other stuff. I'll tell more about that later, but this is the sleep. Sleep, peaceful sleep, restorative sleep, uh, immune system restoring sleep, physically. This all happens when we're sleeping. It's important. The Lord gives his beloved sleep. Okay, Jeremiah 29, 11 is another one that was mentioned in that word wealth. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being. That's shalom. And it's all really the shalom, which we were just looking at, that word. And not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That word wealth mentioned Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, 
Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity, that's the word shalom, of his people. And it says, let them continually say. We're to say these things. In this year of Jubilee for our church, we're to know who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ, and we're to say it. Here it says to say it, them continually. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, shalom, was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The chastisement, everything for our peace, everything needed for us to have total peace was put upon Jesus so that we may have it. Peace and tranquility come to us through Jesus Christ. Now let's look in the New Testament to some further light on this truth. True peace with God and from God come only through Jesus. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Peace. Ephesians 2.14 For he himself is our peace who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of partition. That's talking specifically of Jews and Gentiles but it's also true between us and God the Father. Jesus has broken down the gap that's there, the separation which is spiritual death. He's closed that gap. Jesus has. But it's also between any people Jesus closes the gap from those that we have seen as enemies so that we can be united and walking in unity. There's a footnote in my Spirit-Filled Life Bible for that verse. It says, The essence of peace is dual, to cause a ceasing from separation as well as ceasing from strife. Peace means to be united with as well as to bring an end to hostility. So there's a uniting with God. There's a uniting with, that's what, happened, what happens in marriage, is a uniting. You know, on Valentine's Day is coming up soon, next Wednesday. This, that thought, that's what brings the unity. It makes us united. Really, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is Lord of my life, peace is Lord of my life. Jesus will lead me to make decisions and take actions that will bring peace and unity. Jesus will give me words to speak that will bring peace. Peace that reigns in my home, our homes. We talk a lot about love around Valentine's Day. Love between a man and a woman, love between a husband and wife. The love of God shared in these relationships will usher in great peace. And we're talking above about love in your relationship with your husband or wife that the world cannot produce. And we're talking about a peace between a husband and a wife that the world cannot give us. And when there is strife and discord and confusion manifesting, submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus and draw on his love and peace will follow. Unity will follow. Colossians 3.15 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to the which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The peace of God acting as governor, as umpire, as, as the, the chief. The peace of Christ. The Amplified Bible there says, Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. Lots of questions come up in our lives as individuals, as families, in our homes, in our business place, and so forth. But let peace, let peace be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members in one body of believers, and be thankful to God always. So we are called to peace, not to fear and to worry. We're called to peace. And our enemy Satan does not want us to live our lives in this peace and tranquility. He does not want us to be walking in Shiloh. He wants us to live our lives listening to the lies and thus walking in the fear and anxiety that he brings, that he tries to bring on us. Fear is one of the main weapons that the devil uses against us. Worry, anxiety, fear can overwhelm us with a thick shadow of darkness controlling our every move and decision instead of peace. There's so much negativity swirling around us today. Wars and conflicts, persecutions, violence, crime, natural disasters, terrorism, the turmoil of politics, economic uncertainty, unemployment, divisions, disease, death. So many fear for their children's and grandchildren's futures. They fear for their families. They fear for their financial future. They fear for their safety. And the list goes on long. There are a lot of things that we could potentially worry about. Living under the weight of the what-ifs is a hard place to be. And then just speaking personally, fear and worry are weapons that the enemy has used on me. But through time, I began to find that things that once would have sent me down an anxious spiral no longer have that same effect. And this change didn't come quickly, but over days and months and years. I have read and meditated on words, words of life, words of truth, God's word. I've spoken to myself. <laughs> I've soaked myself in these words over and over. Yes, I've spoken them over myself. I've prayed them out loud. I've done this often, and they have become so familiar that they have replaced the other things in my mind that I had battled against. There's a life-changing power in meditating on and speaking these words because they're God's words. Change happened. Anxious thoughts began to diminish. 
anxious worry let go of its grip. And though fear sometimes still tries to come, it does not have control over me. I'm experiencing new levels of tranquility, new levels of peace. You could say Shiloh. Peace is the fruit of the recreated human spirit produced because of the life of Christ within us. Fruit grows, but doesn't come fully matured. God's word has the power to change our lives, your life, for good. God's words of peace are life words, soothing to our soul, calming to our spirits, and giving power to our days. It's not easy, and it often comes down to a choice. It's usually not easy. Maybe sometimes easier. But the choice of choosing not to allow fear and anxiety to control my life, choosing to guard my heart, choosing to focus my mind on what is truth in the midst of uncertain times. We may sometimes feel afraid, but we can believe that God is with us because that's the truth, and he's greater than is what is threatening us, what is threatening me today. We may not always feel like we're in control, but we can trust the one who is in control. We may not know all about the future, but we know our God who does. He's out there already, working on our behalf. We'll close with two more scriptures here from the New Testament. Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, be fearful for nothing, we could say, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. When we do this, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now here's just a note. The Holy Spirit quickened to me just now. Tell them not to quit. There's some that are thinking, Pastor Steve, I have done this. I've done it for days. I've done it for weeks. I've done it for months. And it still keeps coming back. Keep on. There'll come that time when you cross over that place. And you'll come up to that next level. It'll be behind you. And he'll be, God will be your rear guard as well. Because the enemy still tries to come with those jabs, but he's our rear guard as well. John 14, 27, Jesus' word says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let, and you is understood here in this sense, you let 
not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So, Ten Strike Community Church's roots, and you can get that last video ready there. Ten Strike, our roots that go back to Shiloh. Jesus, our Shiloh. Jesus, our peace and tranquility, delivering us from the devil and his fear. Hallelujah. This week, um, I know last week, I don't know if we mentioned that or not, but one of the things he used, the Lord used, I, I believe, to get us, Joyce and Sharon and myself, all in the room together at the same time with Mom Rosenbaum. We were all there with her, back and forth. But my CD player that I brought to place hymns, piano hymns, because she loved piano, and so that was playing a continuous play for her, and then just quit. And uh, so they came and got me. We were all three there right at that moment, right when she was ready to pass. That's what the Lord used. But I haven't been able to get my, my CD player to work again, but there is a radio on there, so I was listening to Q107 the other morning when I was showering, and a song came on there that we're going to have right now, and it's, well, you'll see it. Let's stand up together, and let's get ready to, and, and you don't have to sing. You can sing along if you know it. I don't know if I know it good enough to sing along or not, but parts of it, maybe. But uh, just let this soak in. Hallelujah. Grace can never 
to me I was in the shower when I was hearing it and it was a little bit hard you know when the shower is going and everything but fear is a liar but fear he is a liar the devil's a liar he's the accuser he's a liar he's a liar fear acrostic false evidence appearing real and all oh, he tries to make it appear so real he's a liar whenever it goes contrary Whatever those thoughts are, when they go contrary to this, it's a lie. And what you and I need to do, we need to continue in this word. Don't grow weary in it. Even if it's been years, continue on. Some of the things where I've reached that place now, it was years. Oh, is there a temptation just to quit? This is never going to happen. Yes, it will if you continue in here. You will never lose if you continue in this, in the Word of God, in the truth. Don't quit. Continue on in this day, in this hour. It's critical that the people of God get in the victory side in this hour. And you know what? It's critical that you pray for the President of the United States. 
We're going to have a prayer meeting, not this Wednesday, but the next one. Whoever can make it, come. That's one of the things we're going to pray about. The president for our nation. We're going to pray for reviving. In the church, we're going to pray for awakening in the nation. And we may also see a teaching by Bob Yandy and part of one that Joyce and I heard that teaching by Andrew Womack, just a really good teaching. Uh, may do part of that, but that's on the 21st. God needs us to be strong in him in this day, in this hour. God wants to turn things around. In our lives as individuals, as families, in our businesses, in the church, in this nation. It happens as we pray. And there's some things, Kenneth Hagin said, there's some things that don't happen except through united prayer. What's that? That's when we come together and pray, like we're going to do on the 21st. Also, Pastor Dean, next Sunday, is going to begin maybe one or two weeks of teaching on um, the gifts of the Spirit in the church, the use and flow of the gifts of the Spirit in a church service. Now, what is the thing of like singing in the Spirit together uh, or having a tongues interpretation, prophetic words? We're going to talk about that. Pastor Dean's going to lead. And Hallelujah. God bless you. Enjoy the meal together. Fellowship meal. Hallelujah.